When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a special presentation of Odyssey. They had the, the Inquirer sports reporter show on at 10 o'clock, rotating cast of writers who didn't know how to turn a mic on. So they would sit in with me in the morning for a little bit just to see what buttons to push and to get a little critique. The first time I heard Angela Cattoli on the air, I went, well, I don't know what you've been wasting your time for. You should be doing this. You seem to have the soul of this thing. And then when Al would drop in and the two of them together, it was hysterical. I just said, this is it. This is going to be it. It was all Al Morgani. We are both writers at the Inquirer. And um, Al came to me literally a day before the meeting he had set up with Tom Brookshire. And he said, we have an opportunity to do a radio show. And I said, well, why do we want to do a radio show? And he went, well, we'll make a few extra bucks. It's a new format. We've done all these interviews. We've been, we had been on with Steve Fredericks and Howard Eskin as, uh, you know, in the sports we covered, Al with hockey and me with football. And he said, why don't we uh, see what he's got to say? I was reading this book. My God, that book is tremendous. Finished business. All the stuff that he did. How many careers did this guy have? We wrote for the... The Bulletin, I'm sure I was a paper boy when he was there. Then he goes to the Daily News, storied career. Ray was one of the earliest to leave. And he lands at NFL Films. What a gig for a guy, a football guy. I mean, it's amazing. Not only does he land there, he excels. He's winning awards. And, and then he, he says, well, <laughs> let me write a play. <laughs> Not only write a play, he's, he gets his boyhood idol into the Hall of Fame. I mean, the whole Ray Dinger thing is amazing. For nearly 35 years, WIP Radio has been the place to go for sports in the city of Philadelphia. A monolith here in the city and now worldwide. For the next two hours, we will pay tribute to three of the people who made WIP what it is today, a Delaware Valley staple. Three people who have been instrumental in the success of this great radio station. They are their premier personality in the history of our all-sports format, the apparent brains behind that personality, and the premier multimedia chronicler of sports in Philadelphia for over 50 years. For the next two hours, WIP will say our thank yous to WIP's longtime morning man, Angelo Cataldi, his longtime sidekick who put the idea in Angelo's head that maybe there was something bigger and better that the two of them could do than just writing about sports. 2022 inductee into the NHL Hall of Fame, Al Morganti. And a playwright, a sports writer, a sports documentarian, sports talk show host, an analyst, and an author, the authority on all things Eagles and nearly everything else in and around Philadelphia, the great Ray Didinger. While Ray Didinger retired at the end of May, and Al is moving on from the morning show but staying involved locally with his beloved sport of hockey, Angelo is stepping down after the Eagles season ends, hopefully with another parade down Broad Street. He's retiring from his day job as WIP's longtime morning man. And that is where we will begin our story. Merrill Reese's voice has been heard on WIP on and off, but mostly on, since the 1970s. Merrill was WIP sports director back then. He began his 45-plus year stint as Eagles play-by-play man in 1977. But it was Howard Eskin who paved the way for many of us. He was hired in August of 1986 as WIP's first full-time sports talk show host, beginning a long run at WIP as the station began a transition to a brand-new all-sports format. The idea was the creation of a guy named Mike Craven. 
I really want to make this an all sports station. So that started the ball rolling. The one thing I kept thinking was if this can work anywhere, probably Philadelphia is the town. Because people here, I mean, this really is a tremendous sports town with smart fans who love to talk about sports. And I just didn't know if 24-hour, 24-7 sports talk was sustainable in modern radio. In 1988, as WIP began a further transition to the then-revolutionary all-sports format, Angelo Cataldi began to make appearances on WIP on a one-hour daily show following the WIP morning show, which was then manned by Steve Monterano. The show was called The Morning Sports Page, featuring Inquirer sports writers. Ray Didinger was a well-respected football writer on an historically talented daily news staff at the time. And he said Angelo was not just someone who was outspoken and opinionated, he was a top-notch journalist who had learned his trade well at Columbia University's fabled School of Journalism. I knew Angelo from the football beat, and uh, I was working for the Daily News covering the Eagles. Uh, he was working for the Inquirer covering the Eagles, so we were, in a sense, competitors. Um, and I respected the heck out of him as a reporter. I mean, he was really a good reporter. Knew the game, asked good questions, took no prisoners. You know, he, he was by no means a fanboy on the beat. I mean, he just played it straight down the middle. If the team was good, he told you it was good. If the team was bad, he had no problem telling you they were bad. I mean, he, he covered it the way a good reporter would cover it, and very smart uh, and hardworking and, and, a, and a damn good writer. I mean, he, he was really, really good. Uh, I mean, he, he was a Pulitzer nominee for a reason. The morning sports page where Angelo, Glenn Macdow, and Al Morgani, among others, made their debuts as talk show hosts on WIP was the brainchild of Al Morgani, who pitched it to either WIP's new owner, Ed Snyder, and or WIP's new minority owner, Tom Brookshire, convincing Angelo to come along to provide moral support. It's kind of funny. I was When I moved to town, I heard Howard Eskin, honestly, and that, you know, and I was a guest on his show quite a bit for the for hockey and I just thought you know we can do this too and I'd known a guy from way back in the day Steve Fredericks who was in Boston when I was in high school and I said you know we can try to do this so um, I just figured that we could just do whatever we're complaining about at the Inquirer uh, sports department and we could just bring on the radio and I went to um, Tom Brookshire actually actually I went to Ed Snyder and uh, kind of floated the idea. And uh, we gave it a whirl. So we went there and it was Al. He has no plan. I had no plan. He was just going there to try to get another source of income. We went in and unlike today, I was Al and he was me. He did all the talking. I did almost none of the talking. And he laid it on Brookie. He said, what do you have in mind? And um, Brookie went right for it. 100% went for it. And this was a Friday afternoon. And he said, all right, you'll start on Monday three days later. So we just showed up. We didn't even know that we did not have a host, that we were the host. We thought there'd be a broadcaster there and that we they would interview us and that's the way it would work. And they basically showed us into the um, studio at nine o'clock, introduced us to our producer and said, go. The guy that was doing the show before us at the time was Steve Martirano. And he could tell right away that Angelo was like a born uh, morning show type of a guy. The first time I heard Angelo Cattoli on the air, I went, well, I don't know what you've been wasting your time for. You should be doing this. You seem to have the soul of this thing. All the newspaper writers would come in on a rotating basis. But at that point, you even knew then that Angelo Cataldi was the guy. Uh, and everybody else was just kind of an auxiliary. 
And for the rest of us, it was just bringing, bringing it was what was in the sports department. Pretty simple, just flick on the switch um, on, the, on the radio. Steve Bonarano would leave for Boston after a year as WIP's morning man, though he did return to our airways for two different stints in the 2000s. Former Eagle legend Tom Brookshire, who'd been a part of CBS Sports' number one broadcast team for football and was part of Spectacor's ownership group that flipped WIP to all sports, would take over as morning man. As Angelo explains, Brookie didn't want to do mornings for that long, so he picked out a pigeon with the help of new station manager Tom Bigby from the morning sports page to co-host after going solo more or less for a year. My attitude back then was, well, I'll, I'll get a job in newspapers. I'm, this isn't my career. It's not going to do this. So um, I'll do it for as long as I can do it and I'll get as much money as I can, and then I'll make the next move. But um, we know we had, that, this indicates you how little thought any of us put in it in the early years. We weren't looking long range. This wasn't a long range prospect. This was something to do until we did something that advanced our actual careers as journalists. 610 WIP, talking sports on the All Sports Station. It's time to talk sport with Tom Brookshire and Angelo Cataldi on Philadelphia's amazing AM All Sports Radio Station. Now, talk sports with number 40 and Big Edge. 610 WIP. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really inspired, actually, because they played off each other really well. Brookie had all the credibility in the world as a guy who had been not just a player in this town, but a great player in this town, a guy whose number was retired by the franchise, a part of the last championship team. He had all of that going for him. In addition to that, just a tremendous likability factor. Everybody loved Brookie. You couldn't find anybody that didn't love Brookie. So you put him with Angelo, who was a little caustic, a little acerbic. At that time, he was seen as a guy from an outsider. He was still seen as the guy from from Providence, Rhode Island, who was a Yankee fan. Tom Rickshire and Angelo Catali. Mike, how are you? You want to talk about the Masters? Tommy, how you doing? Good, how are you? All right, Brookie. Listen, we know why he's a rookie sitting next to you. The though. rookie and the brookie. Oh, uh, he's a rookie. Maybe what you've got to do, maybe you could get Jay Siegel on tomorrow. He could probably explain to Angelo what it is. Yeah, that's a true. Mike, but thanks there. a lot for calling. I mean, I really appreciate <laughs> You got any more shots? What is this, like and, I'm a punching bag here today? Angelo. Yeah. I, I didn't say. I love your choice of ties, buddy. <laughs> I love it. I mean, full color. I mean, you guys are right up there now. All right. With the full hey. color tie. Yep. It looks like it came up from the Taj Mahal, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, Mike, take care of yourself. All right, Brookie. Have a good Masters. I didn't want to break it to him. Tom Brookshire and Angelo Cattelli. It's not a tie. It looks like it. it's worn like a tie. <laughs> Just a little lower. He was still seen as a little bit of an outsider, whereas Brookie was really kind of the definition of a Philly guy. They had that little balance, that little back and forth kind of thing. The jock and the writer, the Philly guy and the outsider, all of that kind of stuff. It worked. Yeah. The general manager of the Flyers is on. Good morning, yeah. Bobby Clark. How are you? Hi, Brookie. Good, thanks. Listen, I'm trying to get Angelo to understand that you are not Bob Clark. You're Clarky to all of us. <laughs> Either one doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Clarky, do you expect to make a lot of deals in the offseason? I don't know. It's easy to like to do something, but, you know, it takes two teams to do something. Right, well, what are your priority lists? What's at the top? We think we need to try and acquire a centerman who can get 35 or 40 goals, and that's not a very need to fill. Um, we believe Mark Howell will come back, but... Um, you know, if he doesn't, then we're we're obviously going to have to try and find somebody to fill that hole too. Hoping Lavell is going to come along and do some of it. Right, mm. Clarky, have you uh, are you committed yourself to coming back next year? As far as I know, you are. Sure. It was a different kind of show, but I think it worked because there was nothing else like it. 
Meanwhile, WIP's majority owner, Ed Snyder, wasn't as sure about Angelo as a morning guy as WIP station manager Tom Bigby was. Al Morgani, who was still working full-time at the Inquirer covering the Flyers and had Ed Snyder's ear, assured Mr. Snyder that Angelo was the right man to do morning radio on a fledgling all-sports station. When they were considering hiring Angelo, I mean, I went to Ed Snyder and said, you know, this, you know, this, this will work. This, this guy is going to be good. And, you know, Ed was like, you know, I, but he drives me crazy. I said, yeah, but Ed, <laughs> but it's funny. And, and, you know, if you look at, just looking, if you want a successful station, I'm telling you, this is like the guy. And when he went, you know, Brookie was kind of, Tom Brookshire was kind of running things, but Ed was ultimately the guy, right? And uh, they said, well, all right, well, we'll go with it. <laughs> and then he regretted it. <laughs> But but it was a financial success and certainly a certainly a success ratings wise. Brookie and the Rookie had a nice but comparatively short run on WIP in the early '90s. Everyone loved Brookie, and Angelo began to grow on people in spite of his heavy New England accent. But Angelo still wasn't convinced that he was cut out to be a radio guy. He had only made what he thought might be a pit stop at WIP because he was unhappy at the Inquirer and needed to move on. I'm a writer. I I went to the best journalism school in the world at Columbia. I was a writer for life. And the only reason I even did this full time was because I didn't want to move yet, but I knew I had to leave the Inquirer. I was done with the Inquirer. And I had a job offer in LA. I was going to work for the LA Times. I was going to cover the charges half a year and do projects the other half of the year. And they took me out to lunch and made me an offer that was higher than the L.A. Times, and that's why I took it. When Tom Brookshire retired and entrusted the morning show to the rookie, Angelo Cataldi, he pushed for their new producer, Joe Wechter Jr., to remain on the show as Angelo's producer. It would be the start of a long and fruitful relationship. As his last wish, um, they put me in there to do the last six months with him. I've always you know, admired Tom, and I wanted to work with Tom for the longest time. And uh, I was very fortunate, very lucky to learn some stuff from him and get, make a relationship at the time with the rookie, Angelo. Well, Joe Wechter's like, it's unbelievable. Like, he reads Angelo's mind. Like, if we need a certain sound effect or something, it just appears. It's amazing. Without the weight and influence of Tom Brookshire, the morning show would need more cast members to make up for the loss of a true local and national broadcast giant. Bill Zimford served many roles at WIP since joining the station in the mid-'80s as a news reporter during the pre-sports format days. He would transition to sports update anchor for Brookie and the Rookie, was also the first update anchor for Angelo Cataldi's new morning show. Al Morganti joined that morning show along with Tony Bruno. And it really was, that was really quite a crew uh, to work with, as you might imagine. It was uh, <laughs> interesting days uh, when, when that crew was together. All three guys just really fit different parts of that show. It was really great. It was easy to put together. I mean, I envisioned it right away about how, what roles they all had. Because you had Angelo, who was you know, a personality there. It had great opinions. But Tony also could take over in that, and I called it, it's, it's interesting. I always thought Angela's like that, you know, number one kind of guy, you know, like leader of the show. But Tony could also, being a great number two, he could also take over at times. And then Al was just, he was that wild card, and it was a great mix there. That combination really worked from day one. It was really a good combination. While Angelo would butt heads quite often with station manager Tom Bigby over the next decade and on into the new century, he did take one strong suggestion Bigby made early on to heart. When Brookie left, Bigby made it clear. Make this more provocative. Those were the marching orders. Make it more provocative. Make it more entertainment. Get funnier. And at that point, it's like we have to compete 
We can't be sixth in men, 25-54. We have to be first or second. We have to be at the top. And that was the plan. And unlike the folksy kind of approach that Brookie had, don't be afraid to get in a fight. You know, make this, make this something people are going to talk about later in the day. Angelo learned so, so quickly how to manipulate an audience, and you could tell it. Uh, You know, I look back now and just listening to him, he knew very quickly how to get an audience interested, how to get an audience outraged. He just continued to refine that, as we all know. Morning Show producer Joe Wechter said he could tell that the show was beginning to make an impact with a growing audience because of all the active responses they were getting. We went out in the community a lot. We would get callers, and they would say their troubles, like we did with uh, the damsels in distress. We'd have someone call up and say, I'm stuck in, my car is stuck in the snow. Can someone come out and help me snow? I dig it out. And Tony, we send Tony out. And he'd go out there on the phone. <laughs> I'm digging around. And we get her out of the you know, snowstorm that way. Or there was a tree, you know, something, something, the tree was blocking our view. And then we'd send Tony out again. And he'd drop it down. You know, we'd get him to climb up a tree. And, and, uh, and just the reaction that we were getting from people. And, and there was this connection, I think, that we made to our listeners that, it kind of was reciprocal. They, you know, the, the more we did it with them, the more they wanted to do it with us. And I think that's been that way from the beginning of the show through now. I was on a, a road trip with listeners, and we were in a bus coming back from Milwaukee, back into the city, when somebody yelled out in the bus, Jerome Brown died. It was awful. It's like I was with all these fans when, I, when the news broke, and people were crying. I was like, wow, these people really... We're family now. You know, we, we share the good moments, we share the bad moments. WIP made that connection pretty early on with, with the fan base, and it got bigger and bigger over time. Still to come on our very special tribute to three WIP legends, Joe Conklin explains why it was the unflappable Al Morgani who has kept him from getting fired for over 25 years. And master impressionist Conklin does his master impression of Ray Didinger doing his master impression of the late, great Big Daddy Graham. Up next, though, you hear the stories of how the morning show poached Joe Conklin from the WIP Midday Show and how Rhea Hughes convinced Angelo that she was the right woman for the job for Morning Update Anchor. It's all ahead on WIP's special tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didger, right here on 94 WIP. I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. This is WIP's tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger. Angelo and Al worked together at the Inquirer and began working part-time at WIP on the morning sports page in 1988. Though there was a Daily News PM edition on WIP in the early evenings, Ray Didinger was not part of that rotation. But he did work on a Saturday sports page on WIP with the Daily News' Stan Hockman for a number of years before being paired up with Glenn Macnow over 20 years ago. Angelo joined WIP full-time in 1990, paired up with Tom Brookshire. When Brookie left, Al joined the morning show at first on a part-time basis, along with Tony Bruno. There were other pieces being added to the show in the early 90s as well, including comedian Joe Conklin, who had been doing a regular call-in segment to Jody Mack's midday show on WIP. One of the producers who was working the afternoon show put my cassette tape in the player and started listening to it, and he started laughing. It had impressions on there like Harry Callis and Richie Ashburn, Wilson Good, Rodney Dangerfield... Uh, Bill Campbell, other sports guys, and that producer's name was Joe Wechter. He was producing Jody Max show, who just got hired. He came in from from New York, and 
he said, you know, he played it for Jody. He said, this is this guy's pretty funny. We got to get him on the show. He had been out with Jody McDonald, and he had been doing um, stuff with Jody McDonald. It was good. We loved it. And and at some point, he made the move over to us. Wow, did he have a lot of voices then? He had so many current voices and so much energy. Because he was churning out 10, 15 bits a week. And we got an immediate positive reaction on him. We realized that we have here a weapon that nobody else has. Though there were several female producers at WIP in that era, the first full-time female on-air personality on WIP was Chris Gamble, who first did traffic and then sports updates on the morning show in the mid-90s. One of WIP's part-time producers around that time was Rhea Hughes. Though a lot of producers, both male and female, in the early days of WIP's all-sports format wanted to be on-air, very few were able to break through. Rhea, though, wouldn't take no for an answer. I was the overnight producer, and overnight producer was not very hard job. It was, we carried Larry King. But I was there when Angelo and all those guys would get in and they'd be planning for the show at four in the morning and I would see how they would do it and I was fascinated. And Angelo was even scarier 30 years ago than he is today. I mean, now I've worked with him for, but I I would watch them and I went, okay, this is what I want to do. WIP's boss at the time told Rhea that she needed to get some experience before he could put her on air. So she left WIP for a couple of years to produce the morning show at Philadelphia's country radio station. The job allowed her to be on air at times and get that experience that Rhea was told she needed. She would return to WIP in 1997 and began doing sports updates in various shifts. Well, I will say that I kind of gamed the system. I would fill in for the person who, was, who preceded me, who was Chris. And I found out what time Angelo got in to work in the morning, which was around 3.30. So I made sure I got there at three. This was also kind of when the internet was first starting and I was in on it. So I would get, st- so Angelo would show up for work at 3.30 and I would have all the stories printed out for him. So I just, I worked it really hard. I was like, this is the job I want. And I made sure I got in before he did. I made sure I did everything for him, everything he needed, put up with his yelling and screaming and all that kind of stuff. So I just, I knew I wanted it. Though they don't always see eye to eye, she credits Angelo for believing in her when others didn't. And when the belief by some was that females didn't necessarily belong on an all-sports station. He gave me a chance in the business when nobody, you know, women in the business now, which I love, you know, any woman who wants to work in sports can get a job now. When I started you know, 30 years ago in the business, just coming out of college, nobody wanted to give me a job. I was working at, at, a, at an all news station in Delaware and I was doing news and the sports director left. So I slid in and started doing the updates and I thought I did a really nice job and they go, no, we're, we have to replace you with a guy. Women can't do sports. And the guy they replaced him with wound up being a good friend of mine. And he was like, oh my God, they said that to you. And I said, yeah. And I go, it is what it is. Um, but when I got hired by him, he didn't care about my gender. It never mattered. All it ever mattered is that I worked hard for him. So, you know, giving a woman a prominent position on a morning show 25 years ago to not just be a chick, but somebody who offered sports opinions, that's what he did for me. Riaz was much more even sports-oriented than even Chris. I mean, Chris was a fan, but Ria had was really studied and really knows the games and really, you know, is really part of that kind of, you know, uh, sports so yeah Rhea came in to kind of kind of kind of be a counterbalance kind of you know another opinion another voice of uh, that could give a, a stronger opinion you know you see him in his role and everybody understands that because Simmons mike because role... because he's not a max player 
who is coming in and being called a generational player. Joel Embiid has evolved his game. He has come in in these past couple years, turned himself into a guy who does a lot of different things. The biggest problem with Ben Simmons, I, I don't expect him to hit threes, but I expect him to work on that part of his game. I don't think that that's unreasonable. Along with Rhea, Al, Angelo, Joe Conklin, and producer Joe Wechter, the Morning Show crew has included a number of former athletes and team executives over the years. Every one of them has made significant contributions to the Morning Show, but there were a few who stood out. The late John Marzano from South Philadelphia to Central High and Temple University, as Philly and as real as you can get. Johnny Mars was a rising star in his relatively short time on WIP. He's someone we think of often, and we miss him dearly. Angelo called Billy King the smartest guy he ever worked with and marvels at how Ruben Marrow Jr. keeps coming back for more after Angelo used to tear him apart during his reign as Phil's GM. And then there was Keith Jones, who just showed up one day 18 years ago and never left. Well, Jonesy was like, you know, I worked, you know, I covered hockey, so I know Jonesy for a while. We had the same agent. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I knew he was going to be good at stuff, so I invited him in. Uh, to kind of do some stuff on the radio. I mean, I was doing some hockey with Jonesy, was doing um, some TV with me on the Flyers post game and some other shows. And uh, I just knew that he was comfortable with it. And I was friendly with him from hockey. So I said, come on in and see, you know, see if you like doing this. And <laughs> he was kind of outrageous at the beginning. I don't think he realized, like, people are actually listening here. You can't say some things. Um, but that, that's how it started, just me asking him. I don't even think he got paid early. He just came in and, you know, see if you like doing this. He's next level. He brings the hardest, the hardest element to bring to every morning show is humor. To be funny every day. To know going in, even when you feel sick or you, you have to be funny. That's good. That's what's paying the bills. He's funny every day. Stuffed what happened to his stuffed animal? It didn't end well. He didn't have any toilet paper. <laughs> he took one of his kids' stuffed animals. Oh, from the no! No! <laughs> and it was a no! bear. It was a polar bear. And not anymore. Now it's scatological. Yeah. Al, is there a battle for number two? Huh? <laughs> Are you struggling with number two, Al? Is your end zone in the red zone? It's it's politically incorrect. It's locker room humor. Three. I love a nice curved piece of wood. Everybody, just the minute he walks into a room, everybody brightens up. I mean, he's now a huge, you know, star media-wise, and it all just started because he was bored, and he would hang out with us. Likeability is one key to success on the radio, and Hugh Douglas was a natural, a true wild card. From his confrontation with T.O. when he was an Eagles ambassador, perhaps egged on by the morning show, to his pure joy at the little things, like belting out what appeared to be his theme song. I loved working with Doug, uh, you, Douglas. Um, when I think of him, I think of him doing a song. He sang a song all the time by the Commodores, Rick House. <laughs> he was, it, this was the thing about you. You, I know when he was a player, we ripped him. I'm, po I'm positive. And I learned very early on that he didn't care that he understood, he just instinctively understood how to do that job because he had the right mentality for it. And he just, he came in and he had fun. And um, he knew his stuff. He, he ridiculed us relentlessly and we deserved it. But um, man, he made a tremendous impact on us in the years that he was with us. Love working with him. And congrats to Hugh on his recent induction into the Eagles Hall of Fame. We look forward to hearing you soon on our airwaves.
This is WIP's special tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger. Still to come, we ask Al if he's a mucker or a grinder. And Ray D makes you laugh and then makes you cry. Up next, though, Ike Reese says he was warned about touching a hot stove, but he touched it anyway. Why Ike listened to the WIP Morning Show, even though he was told it was a non-starter for wannabe NFL players. You're listening to 94 WIP in Philadelphia. state going out as far as lancaster lebanon berks county northampton easton bethlehem places like that people say to me they don't say oh you've done a great job as mayor we do this you know your policies are great they say i hear you on wip those guys are the most fun that's the words they use those guys are the most fun so this has been good news for the city of Philadelphia. that's former frequent caller and frequent guest on wip former philadelphia mayor ed rendell WIP's tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger continues. Though there were no championships in Philadelphia in the 1990s, the 90s were an exciting time for a fledgling all-sports radio station that was on the AM frequency at that time, then 610 WIP. The Phils did come out of nowhere to win a pennant in 1993, and the Flyers went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1997. But otherwise, it was a somewhat barren sports landscape around here. However, the football team has always generated excitement, being good, not great, but consistently controversial. It helped that they had a convenient foil in their whipping boy of a head coach at the time in Rich Kotite, who Joe Conklin went to town on. Angelo says, though, he realized that WIP was becoming a force in Philadelphia when the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry began heating up in the early 90s. The hatred of the Cowboys would become a lightning rod for people to express themselves many times over through the power of radio. I would say 93, 94, 95, the Eagles were really a big issue then. The Cowboys stuff... We did a lot of trips to Dallas. We were working off, uh, we were all really young and we were all trying out stuff. And um, we would go out for remotes and things and we would get crowds and there would be people. And the phone call volume was increasing and the numbers were going up. And, um, And we had no competition if you wanted to listen to sports in the morning. The WIP Morning Show had become so popular by the mid-90s that people outside of Philadelphia started to notice. One of Boston's sports stations made Angelo and Al the kind of offer they couldn't refuse to go home to New England. Luckily for Philadelphia, though Angelo was leaning towards going, Al Morgani wasn't. If it were up to me, when we did get an offer from WEEI to go up there and do their morning sports show in Boston, yeah, I I was going to go. I was going to do it at that point because I wanted to get back closer to home. My parents were up there. I think I just wanted them to hear me do the radio show because there was no way for them to hear it back then from Providence, Rhode Island, where I grew up. But Al said no. And Al said, our show will not work in Boston. And Al lived his whole life in Boston. And um, A, Al's usually right about that stuff. And B, I didn't want to go there without him. And I'm not sure they wanted me without him. So the whole deal blew up, and thank God for that. If nothing else, what the lucrative job offer to go to Boston did for Angelo, aside from using it as leverage here, it made him realize that if people are bidding for your services, you must be doing something right. And the formula they had for the morning show was working. But I did use the offer to get a lot more money out of WIP. And when they were paying me what they were paying me then, it was hard to say you weren't successful. They were paying me a lot of money then. But, yeah, I guess when I got that job offer, I realized... 
well, we mustn't be too bad at this. Another station wants us. I think that's what did it in my mind. WIP had become the place to go each morning to celebrate the successes and failures of our sports teams. Unfortunately, it was mostly failures in the 90s. The criticisms at times could raise the ire of the teams, whether it was the lampooning of Rich Kotite, the infamous feud with Jim Fergosi, or a Sixer team that rivaled the early process years for losses. Coaches, managers, executives, and players would at times give WIP the cold shoulder. Team officials would always deny they listened to, say, the morning show, yet somehow they knew all the critiques that they were getting from our hosts. The players also claimed they never listened, even as they were running away from our microphones in the locker room because of what we said about them. But there was one Philadelphia athlete who found WIP rather fascinating, a rookie Eagles linebacker and special teamer by the name of Ike Reese. Well, here's the funny thing. I was warned by Mike Zordich when he picked me up from the airport when I reported for a rookie minicamp. Don't read the newspaper and don't listen to WIP. Ike's curiosity would get the best of him. What could possibly be so bad about some guys talking smack on the radio? I was like, this is the craziest, coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. I, I just thought it was, I, I didn't know if it was real. I was like, is this real? Like, Or is this... Like, is this entertainment? Like, is this entertainment or is this, like, real? are these real people? And, and, you know, Angelo, his callers had names, like Arson Arnie or or Cowboy Dave or, you know, some, such and such from Mount Airy or such and such from South Philly. So I thought they were all characters. And even though they were ripping us most of the time, telling us how bad we were, for some reason I thought it was the funniest, entertaining thing that I had ever heard. Keep in mind that Ike Reese was a fifth-round draft pick trying to impress his coach Ray Rhodes, mainly with his special teams play while vying for playing time at linebacker. And 1998 would turn out to be the Eagles' worst season in WIP's near 35-year history as an all-sports station. So after the Eagles got obliterated by the Cowboys at the vet on a Monday night to drop to 1-7, Angelo obliterated the team the next morning with a nod to an overzealous rookie special teamer who had committed a few foolish penalties. I remember the day after the Monday night football game in 98 where we played the Cowboys on Monday night football. I think I must have had two or three penalties in that game. They weren't very good penalties. And, and we lost the game, I believe, 38 to nothing or either 34 to nothing, something like that. And so you can only imagine how Eagles fans felt the next morning after losing a game like that to the hated Cowboys. And with Angelo leading the charge, I was one of the guys that had to, you know, take it on the chin for that game. So, you know, I, I don't know. I must have been glutton for punishment. Because I was listening that morning on the way in to work. So, you know, I was listening, and so I heard it. That was in 1998. Earlier in the 90s, 1992 and 1993 specifically, there were several watershed moments for the Eagles and WIP. Jerome Brown's death saw the whole community mourn an Eagle great struck down in his prime and gone too soon because of a one-car accident. WIP became one of the places for listeners to mourn and come together in sorrow. When the Eagles needed a veteran running back in 1992 and Herschel Walker was coming in for a visit, the morning show came up with a spontaneous idea to have cars circle the vet and honk for Herschel. Do you remember that? I do remember that. You know, uh, what was strange about it is uh, Reggie White, God bless him, you know, he had called me and, and he had asked me to come to Philly to see their brother they love, and he told me about the honk for Herschel where everyone was around the stadium, and uh, and thank you guys. And I talk about WIP still. I, I say that you guys are one of the best sports stations I've, I've known, and, and I tell you what, you're, you're the people's station for sports. Herschel would eventually sign with the Eagles and rush for over 1,000 yards in his first season here. 
When free agency hit the NFL and Reggie White became the biggest name on the market in 1993, the morning show organized a rally for Reggie outside City Hall to urge Reggie to stay with the Eagles. I hope it'll have an impact. I know we did something like this for Herschel Walker uh, when he was available and the Eagles ended up signing him, so maybe this will work too. For the record, Reggie told the rally organizers that it would have been too emotional to attend, but a letter from Reggie was read. I certainly have not closed the door on returning to Philadelphia. The rally was a smashing success, but the campaign wasn't. Reggie left for Green Bay and helped them win a Super Bowl in 1996. One of WIP's biggest fans in the 90s was the mayor, Ed Rendell, who considered WIP and the Morning Show a Philadelphia institution and a good advertisement for one of the things he set out to do as mayor, make the city a lot more fun place to go to and be from. It certainly helped make this a fun, exciting place. All the rallies when we were doing great, you know, uh, uh, when the Eagles were doing great, all the great rallies we had were fun. 93, baseball was fun, all that stuff. Is this some kind of an institution or what? Well, you know, it's, it has become an institution. And one of the things I set out to do when I became mayor was to make the city more fun. You know, because I believe if a city's going to have a vitality to it, it's got to be fun. There's got to be something happening. There's got to be a lot of juice. And WIP, it's been an amazing transformation how it can get people excited, it can get people talking, it can get people high uh, and enthusiastic about things. I think they've done a great job uh, in doing all of those things and, and, and making this a fun place to live. Nothing would be more fun every year, though, than the Friday before the Super Bowl when the WIP Morning Show would hold Wing Bowl, which got bigger and better every year. So big that it moved from a hotel to a nightclub and then eventually to what's now called the Wells Fargo Center. It was the event in the city every year with all kinds of wrinkles added on each year, with Big Daddy Graham's overnight broadcast at one point becoming a live on-location pregame show. Big Daddy was involved with Wing Bowl every year in some way or another. One year, relatively early on, he even entered the field of eaters, which he said he had prepared for all his life. A human garbage disposal needed a wing and a prayer. I'm here with Sister Rocco, Sister Bonehead, in case anybody tries to mess with me. We're taking home the trophy for Sister Mary Catherine. What's your technique for scarfing down wings? Do you have any secrets you could share? Just a lifelong training of being a fat pig. That's really what it is. Big Daddy didn't win. At that point, the bar had been raised for the level of competition. That continued to grow into the new century. As word of wing bowl spread, a couple of leagues of competitive eaters actually formed, making it a sport more or less. Competitors began coming from other regions to win wing bowl. At wing bowl 19, perhaps the most well-known competitive eater, Kobayashi, was lured in. Kobayashi was so well-known, in fact, that the Phils once pranked Kyle Kendrick into thinking that he'd been traded for him. Kobayashi, that's a hot dog eater. You got punk, hot dog eater. Oh. Get traded for a hot dog eater. Before entering Wing Bowl, Kobayashi demonstrated his prowess by demolishing a cheesesteak in a world record 24 seconds. He's going to try to eat a cheesesteak in 45 seconds. in 24.3 seconds. But interest in Wing Bowl wasn't limited to the competitive eaters of the world. Local athletes, coaches, and managers picked up on his popularity as well. Chip Kelly even mentioned it in his introduction news conference in 2013. Believe it or not, and I know the guy, nobody likes him now, but when Chip Kelly came out, I'll never forget it that. It was ridiculous. Second most important bowl besides the Super Bowl, which is my goal, is the Wing Bowl. All right, now here's the thing. This is a real story, Kelly. How we were afraid people would throw stuff, stuff at him. 
That was during a very raucous era of Wimbo. Yeah, yeah. So they literally put up barriers. Oh. And he had to walk through like a two walls, and he was through the middle. Blinders and I had not ever talked to him. I had yeah. met him once, but I had not talked to him. And I went, Chip, how do you feel about this? And he looks around. Wow. That's funny. Wow. I wanted to get a feel for what Philadelphia was like. Kind of speechless. Would you like to address 20,000 people on this Friday morning? Give us something that we can hold on to before the next football season. Yo, Philly! In 2014, it would be new Sixer head coach Brett Brown that attended Wing Bowl. Anything, perhaps, to take everyone's mind off a team that would go through the process of losing 26 straight games. But the Wing Bowl he attended was the morning of the first of those 26 losses. I love chicken! That same Wing Bowl in 2014 was when Jason Kelsey entered the fray as a competitor. Unlike most competitors, he didn't have to audition. He was given an at-large bid. His teammate John Dorenboss had been attending Wing Bowl for years, and Kelsey wanted to see what it was all about. We went, wow, maybe we should try to get Kelsey involved. Would you be interested in being a part of our Wing Bowl this year? Oh, absolutely. No question. Are you interested in eating in the event, or would you like to be there on stage helping us out? I would love to eat in the event, no doubt. <laughs> Are you serious? I didn't think that that was an option. Four years later, Kelsey was in part responsible for Wing Bowl's demise. The original premise for Wing Bowl is that we needed to have a wild celebration in the city every year because we couldn't count on the Eagles ever winning a Super Bowl. After our dreams finally came true in 2018, with the Eagles winning in an epic game with an epic parade and then some epic speeches, Wing Bowl would soon thereafter die a natural death. When it was over, when they won the Super Bowl, I was the last holdout because I couldn't... the, the, The attachment I had... I hated the event most of the time. I always went, it's so much work. It's so hard to do. We're radio people. But then when it came to the moment that we were not going to do it, but the more I, I just, you guys were right. It was like, you can't do better than winning the Super Bowl. Not every promotion or event the morning show was involved with turned out as successful as Wing Bowl. After one of the Eagles' worst seasons, 1998, the Eagles ended up with the second pick in the draft. Some, including Mayor Rendell, were pushing for the Eagles to draft Texas running back Ricky Williams. The morning show arranged for a bus to take 30 hardcore listeners up to the draft in New York in the spring of 1999. They were dubbed the Dirty 30. Joe Wechter picks up the story. Here's the story. So we give these passes out. 30 passes are we have out. Here you go. Here's the dash. Show up. It was a Saturday morning, I guess, we have to show up. Eventually, uh, we see a guy walking down the street. He's like, hey, you're here for this, uh, the, uh, the drafted bus? The guy goes, no, I'm homeless. And we're like, oh, what? He goes, well, you want to go? To, you want to, we, have, we, have, we have lunch. Bruce Sally was one of the people on the bus, and we, he brought some uh, packaged lunch. And uh, he said, yeah, I'll come up for the ride to have some food. I mean, we had guys like Tyrone Johnson, a uh, guy we used to call Patrick the Idiot, uh, Nick the Blade. We had these cast of characters that were all on the bus, being themselves kind of goofy and, and having fun. We arrived in New York, and we're getting off the bus, and there's lines of people. A lot of them from Philadelphia. They had listened to us, whatever, and they decided to go up there on their own and just stand in line and get ready to go in there. The pick is coming in. Let's go up uh, to the commissioner, make it official. And you know the Eagles fans are hoping running back. We'll see. With the uh, second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. This isn't the biggest non-New York contingent we have ever had. The fan 
that they didn't take Ricky Williams. Totally upset about it. It's a total joke. I'm sick. I was gassy. I told you earlier I was gassy. Now I'm nauseous. We're leaving, man. We're out of here. Turn around and take the right person at the right time. We choked again. I'm changing my name. That's it. I'm done. Oh, my God. It's a total joke. But the WIP Morning Show wasn't all fun and games and hijinks and sports talk. Sometimes things got serious. Some of you may have heard about 9-11 while listening to the Morning Show on that fateful day that changed our nation in 2001. We mourned together when we lost Jerome Brown in 1992, Richie Ashburn in 1997, and Harry Callis in 2009. And then there was a morning recently when one of the Morning Show's most loyal listeners, who to this day introduces himself to people as Kenny from the Dirty 30, found out that Angelo had found him a match for a new kidney. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is so exciting. This is the biggest thing that's happened this week, Al. Because our friend Kenny from the 3030 yes. is going to receive uh, tomorrow a brand new kidney. This is cool. And it has happened because of a gentleman named Bob from Bucks County. I'm going to put them both on. Kenny, how are you today? I am so excited. This is, this is like Eagles Saturday night for me. Bob, how are you? Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm doing great. Why did you do this? Yeah, I mean, I, I heard him talking, uh, I think it was December, early December of 2020, as I was riding to work in my car, and uh, I just heard him mentioning it on the air. And He said uh, it has to be an A-positive blood type, relatively healthy person that wouldn't mind considering at least looking into it. So, I mean, I just pulled over immediately and and called and talked to Joe Wechter and gave him my information. You're listening to a special tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger. Still to come, Al Morgani gets the call from the hall, and Hall of Famer Ray Didinger explains why a man who never drinks spent his early years hanging around in a bar. Up next, though, not one but two parades in Philadelphia, and why Angelo nearly hung his mic up after one of them. Don't go anywhere. The second hour of our tribute is coming up right here on 94 WIP Philadelphia. It was incredible. The parade, we were in the Union League. What I remember most about it is that at one point after our show, we had to get leave and go down in, onto Broad Street. We were right on Broad Street. I've never seen so many people in my life. So half of them were drunk, half of them were drunk just with joy. Um, that day, more than any other day that I've been in the city, that I realized how important sports was and the role of WIP in that. That's Angelo Cataldi on the Halloween Day Parade after the Phils beat the Rays to win the 2008 World Series. It was the first parade for a Philadelphia pro sports team since the Sixers won the NBA title in 1983, and the first parade for a sports team since WIP flipped to an all-sports format in 1988. Welcome to the second hour of WIP's tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger. Angelo has been manning the morning show at WIP for over 30 years, first with Tom Brookshire and since the early 90s with Al Morgani, among others. The 2008 parade broke a 25-year title drought among Philadelphia's pro sports teams. The Phils had won their first ever World Series in 1980, and the city did hold a massive parade. But as Jamie Moyer, who attended that parade as a teenager, said at the 2008 parade, this parade dwarfed that parade. Some of us wondered aloud if the 2008 parade could and would ever be topped. Consensus appeared to be only if the Eagles ever win a Super Bowl. Sure enough, on February 8, 2018, four days after the Eagles won their first Super Bowl, that day arrived. Angelo said the season was sublime, with the happiest of endings, and the thought did cross his mind that perhaps this would be the right time for him to exit stage left and go out on top, just like the Eagles. Everything 
I ever could have imagined and more. It was a magic carpet ride for six months. It was it just the feeling never left. Going into work every day was a joy. It was like everyone's so happy. This is so spectacular. And you, Douglas, came back from Atlanta to be here with us. In so many ways, I wish. At the end of that show, I said, I retire. I thought of it. I wanted to do it because I knew no matter what happened after, it could never match it. Angelo elected to continue working at WIP, producing more great morning radio, working through a horrific pandemic for months without sports, and then the rise and fall of Carson Wentz during the disappointing 2020 Eagles season. In 2021, though, Angelo decided it was time. He would stay one more year through the end of 2022. This has been going on for a real, real long time, and frankly, I have annoyed a lot of people, Al, by saying I was going to retire for about the last eight years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, now I'm telling you that I do have a retirement date. So you're leaving? I am leaving at the end of next year. I have a question. But I'm going to not be here every day. If the Eagles make the playoffs. That's the point. If the Eagles in December 2022 have a great team and are headed towards the Super Bowl? No. No. You're so full of it. (laughs) No. I was asked by Mr. Yagaroff yesterday, come on. You've been saying this a long time. You'll be back in 2023. If the Eagles are, say. I have signed documents. Is say 14 and 3 at the end of the regular season. Documents. As it turned out, the Eagles had the kind of offseason that prompted Angelo to say back in August that he'll, in fact, stay until after the 2022 season is over. Right now, it looks like it could be in mid February. Not to mention the bonus that Angelo and everyone in Philadelphia got this fall when the Phil shocked a lot of people by advancing all the way to the World Series before falling to the Astros. Good morning, everybody. Oh, my God. Reuse. Oh, my God. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> Keith Jones. Wow. My head's going to explode. Al Morganti. Uh-huh. What a weekend. Come on. Not, Al, don't wake me up. This is all a dream. This can't be true. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. That could not have happened. Rhea, that did not happen. Rhea was there, yes. Al. Yeah. That did not just happen. I've never seen nothing a moment like this. Like this. Nothing. 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 This is the best. This compares th- to nothing. Nothing. That home run. Nothing. Is that it, home it, it, it's right. will it's, be it's up there with the all-time moments in the history of Philadelphia? hundred percent legend. Right. <laughs> it is a moment that will be uh, frozen in the minds of everybody. That was Good there. morning, everybody. Welcome to WIP Morning Show on a Monday morning in a uh, season uh, for the ages. The Philadelphia Eagles demolished the New York Giants last night at the Meadowlands, a rainy Meadowlands, and they are now. 12 and 1. And I'm telling you, people, this city is struggling to figure out what to do with a team so good. What we do know is that Angelo Cataldi will end his reign on the WIP morning show after the Eagles season ends. What we don't know, of course, is if that's in January or February after another parade. Stay tuned. Still to come on WIP's tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger. The story of Ray's not-so-chance meeting with his son on camera after the Eagles won their first Super Bowl and Ray's final days at WIP. Warning, some tears will be shed. Up next, though, another Hall of Famer. We go inside and outside of morning show stalwart Al Morgani. You're listening to 94 WIP. Al. 
Al, you've given me all of my hockey information for the last 30 years. You've also come up with every funny bit I've ever done here on WIP. And you've saved me from being fired numerous times all the while during my tenure here. Congratulations on being a Hall of Famer. You are proof that half an effort is good enough. You're listening to a special tribute to Angela Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger on 94 WIP. Angelo was leaving WIP when the Eagles season ends. Ray retired at the end of May, while Al, who covered the Flyers before he came to WIP, will probably still be covering the Flyers if and when they ever win another Stanley Cup. Fun facts about Al. His real name is Michael, according to Wikipedia. Now, since Al is a well-known prankster, it could be that somebody pranked Al and pranked Wikipedia. He's a longtime Red Sox season ticket holder and keeps a Red Sox hat in his freezer that may or may not be named Ted Williams. He has a daily talk show on WIP before the morning show that runs for 10 minutes. Al was the one who convinced Ed Snyder and Tom Brookshire that the Inquirer writers had a place on the radio. It was Al that led the way for Angelo, Mike Missanelli, and Glenn Macnow and nearly everyone else at the Inquirer that came over to WIP. So Al Morganti was the genius of all of us. We were all working at the Inquirer, Al and Angelo and me. And Al decided he was going to come over and he was going to talk to the program director and sell them on the idea that newspaper guys would know how to talk on the radio. One meeting, 20 minutes, agreed that we would come in every morning at 8, kind of a rotating lineup. Jason Stark was with us, too. A guy named Jim Cohn, who was sports assistant sports editor of the Inquirer. And uh, the program director said, sounds good. Can you guys start on Monday? Well, selling anything to Angelo is not that difficult if it entails... Um, some sort of venture excitement or whatever and arguing <laughs> um, anything about sports. So I just kind of, I just kind of said, you know, we, you know, I think we could I actually said, I think you could do this um, pretty easily just from listening to him kind of argue in the new, in the sports department about stuff. And there were a bunch of us, you know, um, Jason Stark, um, Glenn Mack. Now there were a bunch of us that were sort of at the beginning of uh the media kind of um, spreading its wings. So I just thought, well, since there's more sports radio now in, in Philadelphia, let's, let's, you know, let's give it a try. Al Morgani joined the morning show after Tom Brookshire left, along with Tony Bruno. While at times listening to the show, you didn't even know Al was there, Angelo has always credited Al as being the brains of the operation. First of all, he got me on the radio. So whatever happened after that wouldn't have happened without Al. Secondly... In uh, 30 years that we have worked on in radio, every significant decision about our show was made not only with his input, but probably with him being the, the loudest voice. He's the brains of the operation in that way. He, um, he created Wingball. He advanced Wingball. He's very, very smart kind of like a fourth line checking winger in hockey and you know you're ahead by one or behind by one in late in the game I'm there to make sure nothing really goes wrong I mean, I mean I'm real quick to um, hit the dump button if somebody says something and you know if I think it's just going to be especially now with all the uh, political correctness and stuff I'm 
I'm kind of the most cautious about things and like, like maybe we shouldn't go there and you know maybe not the time to do this. And Joe Conklin says that Al was invaluable to the show setting boundaries and making decisions on what would and wouldn't fly on the morning show. Angelo is the brains behind his own persona but Al was the conscience of the show. You know, he had the ideas and then he knew what would fly and how we could massage it or or how to position uh, ideas. If we were going to do something, whether it was Wing Bowl or Miss WIP, which were all his ideas, he knew how to package it properly uh, to get away with it. Joe Conklin also claims that Al Morgani, while not writing his comedy sketches, came up with many of the ideas for them proved all of them that made it to air and generally kept him from going off the rails and helped keep him employed all these years. When I first started in 93, they got Al to think of the bits for me. And to this day, he's been coming up with every idea that we've ever done. It just works with Al. He knows how to read uh, Angelo or read the situation. Very few of my ideas turn into bits just about everything that Al thinks of turns into a bit. The guy's got a knack for it. I think I would definitely credit Al for settling me into something that made sense for the show. And he definitely saved my ass a number of times. He's got sense and he knows how to uh, de-escalate. He's real good at, uh, you know, Angelo's an escalator, Al's a de-escalator. So they're a good yin and yang. Al was the perfect foil for Angelo for all these years because Angelo was the huge ego. And Angelo, I'll put it this way, Angelo is the, is the balloon that pumps up and gets inflated and grows and grows and puffs up and puffs up and puffs up. And Al kind of sits back and watches. And then every once in a while, maybe twice an hour, Al is the needle and the needle pops the balloon and the balloon deflates and Angelo comes back to earth. And that is an incredibly valuable role that Al has served on that show for so many years. The morning show has just been a perfect combination of characters over the years with Angelo and Al and Rhea and Wechter producing the thing and Joe Conklin and all the other guest hosts they get in. And Al's role in it, I think, can be underrated because he says the least of all of them. But Al was always E.F. Hutton. When Al talks, everybody listens. The biggest idea that Al Morgani ever came up with was Wing Bowl which had an interesting origin, and no surprise involving Al, it was an idea that came to him while he was covering hockey. At one point, it was decided to have wing ball the Friday before the Super Bowl, in part because of the fatalism around these parts that the Eagles' window of opportunity for winning a Super Bowl would never open. I had been traveling to um, Buffalo um, so many times covering the Flyers, and I was a big fan of uh, chicken wings up there. That's kind of the famous place for them. And, and I noticed that at that time, um, ironically, going to Buffalo, uh, the Bills were really big, and, and they never won the Super Bowl, but they were always in it and always having a big party. So I, I just I came back once from Buffalo and said, you know, we ought to just if you know you know they lose the the Super Bowl but have a party. So we just should have a party anyway and and celebrate like they do with chicken wings. So we si- kind of always had it kind of centered around um, the Super Bowl, and and it just started like okay we'll have a wing eating contest, and it it started at the um, I guess it was the Wyndham Franklin Plaza at the time, a hotel, and I think it's it's right near the Albanian Church and maybe 17th Street, something right near there, 18th maybe. And we just started in the lobby of a hotel there, giving away a habashi. <laughs> and just every year it got greater and greater. And although I get 
I guess it's uh, blame or whatever it is for starting that. It was Angelo that turned it into a, an event. I mean, you know, it, it was he that, that really, um, he, he could be the, the carnival barker that, that makes it work. Fact is, the brilliance and genius of Al Morgani did not go unnoticed by the likes of the one-time highest-ranking official in our city who would become the highest-ranking official in Pennsylvania. Ed Rendell. I mean, Al Morgani is a genius. I mean, if, if Al Morgani was our general manager, we'd have Ricky Williams and Cade McNown right now. But we now, uh, you have to be in a wing mode to see how much fun it is and to see how much people love it. While Al will somewhat reluctantly take credit for the idea of wing bowl, in his mind, it was supposed to be mainly about eating wings. So don't blame him for the pageantry and pomp and circumstances it turned into. The man that started it all. Geez, Murphy, I didn't start this. I had a little contest going for eating chicken wings. This is not my responsibility. This is the city of Philadelphia and its fans. Al Morgani's first love has always been not wings, but hockey. Writing about hockey for several newspapers, including the Atlantic Constitution, the Inquirer, and the National, along with working part-time at ESPN and their hockey coverage for over a decade. This past summer, Al found out live on WIP that he was going to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Frank, why are you calling in so secretively? I have some breaking news. Al Morgani, it is my absolute honor to let you know that on behalf of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, you have been selected as the 2022 Elmer Ferguson Memorial Award winner for excellence in hockey journalism. And you, sir, are going to have a plaque with your name on it in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Oh, my oh God. God. Oh, oh, my, my God. Wow, That's a... unbelievable. I can't That's believe awesome. this. I just uh, thank you very much. I want to thank everybody there. And I owe everything, everything I've ever done, Frank, and any aspect of work has been through hockey. It's meant so much to me. The people are just terrific. I haven't worked a day in my life because I just love that game so much. And I love the game because of the people in it. Jonesy Al's a Hall of Famer. I, I can't believe it. I, I just, I, I, I've never been in more shock. What we need to know now Yo. is some assurance that you have been pounding out a great speech. I can give you the beginning. Okay. Hello, everybody. Step up. Plant your feet firmly on the ground and address the ball. Hello, boy. It's important that I'll nail this thing. Hello, everybody. <laughs> He's in the Hall of Fame as a writer. It has to be magical. Hello, Good day, everybody. <laughs> Al Morgani was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto on November 14th into the writer's win. Over the Hall of Fame induction weekend, the Hall recognizes two members of the media who have distinguished themselves through their work covering the sport of hockey. The Elmer Ferguson Memorial Award is bestowed upon print journalists, and the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award is given to broadcasters. This year, the Elmer Ferguson Memorial Award goes to the legendary scribe Al Morganti, a writer whose work Philadelphia Flyers fans have relied on for almost two decades. Throughout that time, Morganti's unique style, read in both the Philly Inquirer and the Daily News, has garnered his own fan base with some of hockey's toughest fans. Among his peers, Morganti is revered and he has influenced a generation of sports journalists. And congratulations to media honorees Bill Clement and Al Morganti, two of the very best at telling the stories of our game. A Boston University alum, Al Morganti started his career in journalism at the Boston Globe. 
His passion for hockey led to beat writer jobs at the Atlanta Constitution covering the Flames, and then in 1979 he headed to Philadelphia to cover the Flyers for the Inquirer. Morganti then served as an NHL analyst for ESPN from 1993 to 2005. Morganti is currently co-host for WIP's award-winning morning show in Philadelphia. He also provides pre- and post-game analysis for NBC Sports in Philly and has covered international sporting events around the world. I'm really thankful I ended up in Philadelphia. The fan base there in all sports is fabulous. It, it, it makes everybody better just as they do here in Toronto. Good media will be a metronome to keep time with the, with the fans, and that's what it's like in, in Philadelphia. And as Eric mentioned, just a tremendous history. Jason Stark in the Hall of Fame in baseball, Ray Dinger in football, Jay Greenberg in hockey. So it's been awesome, and they carried me a long way. And I knew it was perfect when I first moved to Philly. Great Keith Allen was sat in front of me first year. We're in the press box at the Spectrum, and somebody hands him a Sports Illustrated. And it's the cover of it is violence and hockey with the Flyers logo. And he's looking at me like I'm responsible. And he turns to me and goes, violence, violence, violence. If I hear that word one more time, I'm going to kill somebody. And I said, you know what? I'm in the perfect spot. The only downside is I stop a clock and bob up with my accent. I end up in Kata. So, you know what? I'm good at it. I have to say that every year, I fail. Every single spring, I failed, Eric failed, we all failed. Because every spring they have a tournament for the Stanley Cup, and you're told to write a story on what it means, and there are no words. You sit there, and there are no words. And that's the way I feel about getting this, there are no words. Thank you. We mentioned earlier that Al does a daily talk show on WIP before the morning show. It's called The Something Show. That is Al Morganti. Uh, stay tuned for something. He's also part of a show before that show called The Lapover Show. Angelo and then Al started doing that years ago with Big Daddy Graham. You never knew what direction Al would take with each of those shows. It's the Overlap Show. Rob Ellis, what's happening? Al, we're still here. What the heck is going on with bowling? Bowling? Bowling. Have you been seeing the videos? These people have become the most outrageous. They go to their local leagues and they're dressed up like clowns and dinosaurs and they're having the party of all time and we're all missing it because we think it's some screwy thing and these bowlers are having a blast. I don't think that this virus is going to affect bowling at all. See, Al, this is, I've been asking all night for people to help me. Oh, they show up with like pajamas with feet. This is what I can do. (laughs) This is going to be the revenge of the nerds. You can't watch watch your normal sports, but these bowlers are out there having a hell of a time drinking craft beer mm. and just having a ball. How many times have you bowled in your life? Like none. This is, this is why I, I love you. What? I never thought we'd be talking about bowling right now. I'm telling you. Okay. Here you have Bryce Hopper oh. having fun oh with God. the finale. Everybody, it's like even if you dismiss the baseball side of it, he's like, he's actually having fun. It's a baseball player having fun with somebody and actually embracing a community and it's like fun but no you have to point out 
Could it all be an act? Does it he is really an act. It, I mean, doesn't ma- it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, it can't be an act if you continue to do it like this. It's not. What? What is wrong with you? What is your problem? Why do you insist at 34 years old? I've been I'm trying to be a 72 year old guy on the front lawn pointing at clouds, saying, "What? We, why are you having fun? Let people have fun." Because it's annoying. It's annoying. It's not annoying. It's You're annoying. You're annoying I'm that gonna, you won't let people have fun. You can't be 30. I'm, You're 82 freaking years old. I'm going to wear my fanatic shoes. Oh, He's going to have it. a fanatic on his round stop round it. Rushmore. Oh, fanatic God. socks. Fanatic God. this. Oh, fanatic go that. Go home and have a headband. Oh, Get out of here. Go it's have nonsensical. A, you go have a meatloaf sandwich. Jesus. What's meatloaf wrong with you? sandwich. <laughs> That's Who for an old me? guy. Go on a Wednesday at 5 o'clock and have a meatloaf sandwich. I'll have a turkey My sandwich. My God. Hey, what's up? This is AJR, and you're listening to The Something Show with Al Morganti. Let's go out with a bang. Here we go. Oh, righty then. Welcome to The Something Show. Here we go. Why don't you have a news conference where you shake your head and we can hear the rocks, okay? Why don't you have that? You dope. Are you a complete imbecile? Have you totally lost your mind? If you're in your 20s and 30s, stop taking a backseat to people my age. Flex some of your muscles. These baby boomers have had their arse kissed from birth to, to the grave. Stop it. Don't listen to this moron tell you to wait. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Jeez Louise. While Al Morganti won't be on WIP's morning show after the Eagles season ends, you can be sure that Al will be talking hockey on TV and maybe even on radio. Before coming to WIP as a talk show host, Al would do call-in segments with Howard Eskin. And while he was on the morning show, other shows on WIP would occasionally have Hockey Al on as a guest. Kind of the ultimate inside joke. Thank you, Al, we think, for inventing wing ball, for keeping Conklin in line, and for being the conscience of the morning show. This is WIP's special tribute to Angela Cataldi, Al Morganti, and Ray Didinger. When we return, there may not be a dry eye in the house for several different reasons. The comedic side of Ray Didinger, along with more stories, and his closing farewell. It's all coming up ahead on 94 WIP. I still remember the day Sister Claire read my essay to her fifth grade class. When she finished reading, she looked up and she said, Mr. Diddingshire, you should be a writer. Well, I took Sister Claire's advice. I started writing. Welcome back to WIP's tribute to Angela Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Diddinger. Angelo will be stepping down from the morning show when the Eagles season is over. Angelo, along with Al Morgani, have been a part of the longest-run morning show in WIP's 100-year history, over 30 years. Though Angelo and Al were New Englanders who ended up in Philadelphia when they were hired to write for The Inquirer and have made Philadelphia their home for over 40 years, Ray Didinger was Philly-born and raised. Southwest Philly in his early years, then Delaware County. He went to St. James High School and then Temple University. Now, you should know that Ray doesn't drink, but he did spend his early years in a neighborhood bar. And that is where he first began to appreciate the impact that sports had and still has over this city. My grandfather's bar was on Woodland Avenue uh, in southwest Philadelphia, and I kind of grew up in that bar. I mean, we our little apartment was a block down, and when I was six, seven, eight years old, there was nowhere for me to play. I mean, I just went down to the bar and 
and hung out in the bar all day and played and shuffleboard and drank Coca-Cola. During the day behind the bar, there was a radio and the, the, the radio was on and he'd listen to WIP. And, and it was, you know, I used to sit at the end of the bar and um, drink my Cokes and listen to my grandfather and the men at the bar talk sports. And that was how I grew up. I realized then that these were guys whose, whose lives were defined by sports, by the teams. You know, their job was just what paid the bills. What really kept them going was sports, was the Phillies, it was the Eagles. It was the, you know, those teams helped these guys define whether they had a good day or a bad day. Every day was a good day if the Phillies won. And that's when I, I sat there and I realized, from a very young age, I realized these aren't just games. You know, these matter to people. These, these impact the way people live, these, how they feel, how they, how they identify themselves. You know, they, they identify themselves as Philadelphians. They identify themselves as Philadelphia fans. It's, and so it was, it was growing up with that awareness and in that environment that I think really kind of shaped my sense that, you no know, sports is important. And I think it had a hell, a hell of a lot to do with, you know, the career that I chose to be involved in sports for the last 53 years. Ray Dittinger has worked in various forms of media in and around Philadelphia for over 50 years. To say he is an authority on football is not hyperbola. It is fact. Just ask Eagles president, Howie Roseman. He's so well prepared, and he has such an unbelievable knowledge of the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's, it's because he loves the Eagles, you know? And, um, you know, our fans may not know this, but there have been many times that I've called Ray to ask his opinion about things, you know? Um, and I do that because I respect him and I know how much football he watches. I know how much football he knows. And for me, it's a unique opportunity to be in the same city of someone, you know, I always love it when they go hall of famer, you know, that man, that's a freaking big standing. Or you can ask Angelo, who as an award-winning Eagles beat writer for the Inquirer in the 1980s, had to compete with Ray, who was covering the Eagles and the NFL for the then rival paper, the Philadelphia Daily News. What made Ray Dittiger so great? is that he understood what his story was, and he wouldn't fully hit that button to send it to his paper until it was perfect. And that's why he took longer than anybody else, and that's why he was such a perfectionist. And when you read Ray Dittiger the day after you covered a game, you always, at least I always came away saying, wow, why couldn't I do it that well? And that's what it is. He, that's why he's a legend and why I ended up going full-time into radio. Ray Dittinger's roots at WIP began in the early days of our all-sports format. With time and shifts to fill with a seven-day-a-week all-sports format, it was a natural to ask Ray if he was interested in branching out to radio. Tom Brookshire asked me if I wanted to come in and do some stuff because they were just trying to fill time slots. They were just trying to fill time. And they very smartly decided to just dip into newspapers right away. And we were we were the available people. So Brookie, who I knew, asked me if I wanted to take a whack at it. So I said, okay, sure, why not? I became part of what they called the Saturday Sports Page. Uh, and it was uh, me and Stan Hockman began doing, at that time it was 10 to 3, it was five hours. Ray's longtime partner on the weekends at WIP, Glenn Macnow, believes that how Ray spent his early years helped shape his perspective as a writer and made him a natural years later in relating to listeners on radio. You know, one of the great advantages that Ray had is that he lived this. He grew up in this as a little boy. And that, I think, really helped his career. When Ray was just seven years old, he would go to the Eagles game on a bus with his parents, his grandfather, and the 50 closest friends from Ray's Tavern. 
And Ray was the little kid on the bus who knew all the trivia and knew all the answers. And he hung out with these guys. And they were the cross-section of Philadelphia fandom then and now. And I think that he was doing talk radio when he was eight years old. He just didn't have a radio. He was just hanging around with these grown men, talking sports with them, listening to what they had to say, engaging in the public chatter, and was part of that, particularly with the Eagles, from when he was a little boy. As Glenn will tell you, and anyone else that's ever worked with Ray, not only is Ray easy to listen to, he's easy to work with. I remember there was one show a couple years back, and it was in June, and there was nothing, nothing going on. And we didn't want to do kind of all the old chestnuts that you do when nothing's happening. And I remember saying to Ray right before we started, I said, Ray, I, I got nothing. And Ray said, yeah, that's okay. We'll be fine. And we just talked. And it's one of the most fun shows we ever had. And we heard afterward from listeners, it was one of the most fun shows they ever had. He was just an incredibly easy person to work with because it was always just about having a conversation with him. And he knew so damn much and he was able to express it so well that that always made it very, very easy. Ray Didinger is not just considered the authority on all things Eagles by the fans. The players, current and former, consider him that as well. Like Reese and Seth Joyner, among others, call him the godfather. Vaughn Hebron dubbed him R. Diddy when he worked alongside him on Eagles Post Game Live on NBC Sports Philly. And WIP's John Ritchie said he knew his days as an Eagle were over when he heard it from Ray Didinger on WIP. I actually heard that I was getting cut from Ray Didinger before I was cut. I was blindsided by Ray Didinger before I was blindsided by Andy Reid. Ray was never nasty or offensive or a trash talker or a hot take guy on radio or TV. But when someone said something Ray considered outrageous, Ray wasn't afraid to clap back. Even if it was a former mayor of Philadelphia slash former governor in Pennsylvania showing too much Eagles fandom on the postgame show on NBC Sports Philly or a pathetic effort by a team in a game that happened to be the swan song for the franchise's all-time winningest coach. How about this? You're three and four. <laughs> three and four. Reality check. <laughs> we have all these guys with the greatest that ever played, but we're three and four. Wait a second. Somebody should ask him to comment on the effort that his team gave today. I hope that Andy doesn't stand up there and say, no, I thought they gave good effort because they gave no effort. And to me, it's, it is such an indictment of this team and what it is and what it's become that what you saw in that field today was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment to the. It was an embarrassment to the Eagles. It was an embarrassment to the National Football League, and it was an embarrassment to their head coach. Right. You know, for whatever else you want to say about Andy, he stood up there and took it for them for 14 years. And on his last game, and they knew damn well this was his last game. Okay, and they went out and they rolled over and they played like that. Ray Dedinger's accomplishments as a writer include being named Pennsylvania Sports Writer of the Year five times. In 1995, Ray had the highest of honors bestowed on him when he was inducted into the writer's wing of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. His work at NFL Films after he left the Daily News won him more accolades and several Emmy Awards. Ray has been a must-listen on WIP for over 25 years on weekends. He's been a must-watch on Eagles Post Game Live on NBC Sports Philadelphia for 25 years. Ray's play Tommy and Me is a must-see. Ray's most recent book, Finished Business, is a must-buy. But there is and was more to Ray Didinger than just work. He was and is, in fact, rather funny. WIP's resident comedian Joe Conklin said Ray's got great timing. He knows how to tell a joke and does some pretty good impressions. Several years back, Joe asked Ray to open up for Joe and his pal, the late great Big Daddy Graham. The two funny Philly guys were playing at the media theater. Joe said Ray delivered. He delivered so well that he was one of the toughest acts he ever followed. Ray took the uh, opening, um, the MC assignment more serious than anybody else. 
Um, he's such a great guy and so studious. And he, you know, he looked at it as an assignment. And most people just wing it and they have one joke. And but Ray, you know, was very disciplined. He did have a joke. He also told stories. The problem with Ray going out on stage is everybody loves him so much. He's the most popular guy in the room. So it's it's hard to follow him as far as, you know, likability. But he went out there and just told a few stories, told a joke, and was extremely cordial. On the air, Ray's hilarious. He does at least a handful of impressions. In fact, he probably does more than that, and he does them pretty good. He does a better jolly than I do. What's the matter with you people? What's, I, I always heard there's a passionate sports now. Why is anybody calling up here? We have many, many issues to discuss, and nobody's calling. What's that the matter with you right. people? We're going to a break now. When I come back, I want to see a full board, okay? A full board. WIPL <laughs> <laughs> Sports Radio no, right. <laughs> He did a great Big Daddy. You know, I, I would call Big Daddy up, and, uh, you know, he'd answer, Hello? Hi, uh, hi uh, Big Daddy. It's, it's Ray Dittinger. Oh, oh, Ray, Ray, yeah, Ray. How you doing, Ray? He can tell a joke. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot he can't do. You know, he was a great athlete. He was, he was a third. But he played the hot corner. He played with Eddie Fainer. I'm told the, the hard, th- the fast guy, the fast pitch softball. My nickname, in all seriousness, was the vacuum cleaner because. I was actually a pretty decent fielder at third base, so they called me the vacuum cleaner. I mean, you could play third base in a fast-pitch softball game where that, the batter's about 10 feet away from you. That's amazing. Ray Didinger was always a professional. He could be funny, compelling, interesting, informative, and sometimes even angry. Everyone listening to this show remembers where he or she was and who they were with on February 4th, 2018. If you watch the pregame festivities on NBC or listen to WIP's pregame show, you may have missed this rant on NBC Sports Philadelphia from Ray, defending the honor of Eagles fans with a Boston reporter who threw out too many cliches about Philly sports fans for Ray to remain silent. Dallas Cowboys have five Super Bowls. New York Giants have four Super Bowls. Washington Redskins have three Super Bowls. The Eagles don't have any, okay? And so if you talk about the Philadelphia fans having a high level of frustration, I'd say it's perfectly understandable. But I think it ends tonight. Mm-hmm. So I'm down with the frustration. It's just the undercurrent of violence. That, there, there's an undercurrent of violence that comes with the Philly fan that it's I've unsafe. in no other yeah. fan. It's the only fan base I'm around where I feel like I might get a metal chair off the back of my head. And I don't feel that way now when I'm with Steeler fans. Hey, Mike, how many games at Schaefer Stadium did you go to back in the day? Well, oh, and that, that oh I went there when I was a kid. That you, was a bad environment. You want to tell me about violent fans? You want to tell me about thug fans? The people I saw in Schaefer Stadium? They were the worst in the NFL. And but then you started to win, didn't you? As a writer and reporter, Ray Dinger never liked to make himself the story. And he always made it clear that while he was an Eagles fan growing up, he always had his objective reporter's hat on in the locker room. And later when he was on WIP and doing Eagles postgame live. After the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Ray took his reporter and analyst hat off for a few minutes on live TV and kind of let his hair down for a few minutes for all of us to see. We were going to take a break. Ray said, uh, when we can take a break? And I, I just assume he had to use the restroom, but he does not. I, I said, five minutes. He said, because I want to go hug my son. Come on on. David did, Didinger right now. Right, uh, there it is. A long time coming. Woo-hoo! David Didinger, who, is a, um, who shoots for, uh, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful thing. A beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, my goodness. He had said to me, if the Eagles win this game, I'm going to find you wherever you are, and we're going to celebrate together. And 
I never thought I look. I know he had, he had his own job to do. He had to film the post game celebration and then pack up his gear and then how's he going to find me and all in the post game of the Super Bowl. But sure enough, he found us and he came walking on the set. Uh, it was just I had been holding my emotions in check the whole post game show. But when my son came on the set and we hugged on the set and I said that was for Grandpa talking about my dad that um yeah the emotion of the moment just overwhelmed me and i started i started crying on camera live how about this the rock shedding some tears over here I, i've never seen him even yeah <laughs> yeah ray dance unbelievable that scene's being repeated in philadelphia thousands and thousands and thousands of times i mean philadelphia just enjoy this because i don't know when it's going to happen again but boy this is sure fun tonight it's going to happen next year david dittinger you can retire now he's going out on no one would have blamed ray or angelo for walking off into the sunset after the super bowl but neither did ray continued to work weekends with glenn mack now occasionally getting his dander up when someone crossed the line what does danny green know about philadelphia i mean really what what, what has he done here i mean he's he's a definition of a passing through you know, and, and to not understand what the people that are supporting this team, the fans of this team, what they went through in all of the, the Sam Hinkie years, all the years of just throwing whole seasons away, to do that year after year after year with the promise that down the road, down the road, streets will be paved with gold and we're going to have a parade on those streets of gold and it's going to be wonderful and we're all going to celebrate together and it's going to be great. And you go out and you're the number one seed, hip hip hooray. Number one seed going into the playoffs, got the home court advantage. Oh, boy. You lose. Danny Green has the temerity to blame it on the fans. Danny Green, just shut up and go away. It looks to me like it's the idea that was cooked up by some idiot movie producer who's making, like, Major League Five. That some producer said, oh, you know what we need? We need some hijinks. We need some laughs. We need some characters. You know, we so what can we have something going on in the dugout? Ooh, I know. Let's get a straw hat. Let's get a straw hat. And when somebody hits a home run and he comes back, we'll put the straw hat on his head and we'll all dance around. How's that sound? Oh, sounds great, Chief. That'd be great for a movie. Oh, great for a movie. But it's not big league baseball, in my view. I think this is a very unlikable team. Our reality check at WIP finally came last spring. Ray Didinger decided it was time to cease operations. He would go out in style his way, his choice, his decision. My contract with WIP is up at the end of May, and I've decided that will be it for me. I'm retiring. All these years, my family has lived their lives around my schedule. Now I can build my life around theirs. I have a wonderful wife, two accomplished adult children, and four beautiful grandchildren. I'm ready to transition from being Ray Diddy to Grandpop. Next fall, instead of charting plays at Lincoln Financial Field, I'll be at Gwitted Mercy University watching girls field hockey and cheering on my granddaughter, Haley. I'm retiring from WIP Radio and also from my TV work at NBC Sports Philadelphia. I've truly enjoyed working at both places. I love the people I worked with, and I'm proud of what we built. But I feel it's time to go. I'm healthy, I'm happy, but I'm also 75 years old. It's time. Really, it's that simple. Ray's retirement party was held a few weeks later, live on air on WIP on May 28th, the day before his final weekend show with Glenn Macnow. You did not anticipate the warm embrace and the acclaim that you were going to receive since you announced announced it that this was it. No, 
No. My wife did. You know, Maria said, you know, this is going to be a really big deal. Uh, and I said, no, <laughs> no, it won't. No, it won't. But it has been a big deal. Look at that. Ray, who's in the house? Oh, my God, the Philly fanatic. The fanatic is here. <laughs> the fanatic is bowing down, Ray, in respect. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, everyone keeps asking me, oh, you know, who are they going to replace Ray with? I'm like, you don't replace Ray. Are you kidding me? I'm, you know, hey, I'm getting that same question yeah, every day. I mean, you, you, you put somebody in the spot, but there's no one that can ever replace Ray and what he brings to the table, not only from his football knowledge, but his professionalism and the way that he handled himself. You know, I have to say, I have to congratulate you on uh, your career. 50 years, you know, you know, it's incredible how you're respected, you know, in the world of sports. It, it, it was a beautiful gift you received from God, that's for sure. And I just want to say Ray is just one of the best human beings that I've ever come across in sports, period, whether it be a player, an interviewer, or a friend. That's great. Thank Bill. you, Billy. I love you, man. There's no one around who doesn't like Ray Dittinger. It is impossible not to like Ray Dittinger. I know of very few people who uh, can say that. And Ray Dittinger is, is one of those few. A true gentleman, an amazing journalist and broadcaster, and a dear friend to us all. A voice of reason, a man of truth, a man so incredibly dedicated to his craft. And my friend, you made it look so easy and you made us all comfortable in the process. I was always so impressed with your preparation and the love of what you did and how you did it. And that never changed over the years. I could always pick a, pick a little nugget from listening to you on Saturdays, something that I could use, something that in my research that I didn't find that uh, I could add to my preparation for games. Um, yeah, man, you're the guy. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. And it's great. Why am I? Why am I emotional? Oh, Howard, never it's, saw you uh, choked up there before. It's, it's great. To be here on this day, and I'll never say goodbye, all I'll say is I'll see you later. The word integrity is just one that comes to mind when one thinks of and listens to Ray Didinger. Thank you, Ray. From everyone who grew up reading you in the Daily News and the Bulletin, listened to you on WIP, watched you on Comcast Sportsnet, and were lucky enough to see her play Tommy and Me. While you looked up to legendary columnists like Stan Hockman, those of us a little younger looked up to you and always wanted to read or hear what Ray Didinger had to say. Our last words on Ray Didinger are the last words Ray himself said on his final appearance on WIP Sunday, May 29th to close out his final show. Through high school, through college, and through 53 years of newspaper columns, books, films, and now the stage play Tommy and Me. I've written thousands upon thousands of words, but never the word goodbye. Not until today. This is my final show on WIP. I'm retiring. I'm also retiring from NBC Sports Philadelphia. I'll miss it. I'll miss all of it, but I feel it's time for me to step aside. Many of you have reached out to say how much you'll miss me. Well, I'm going to miss you too. We had a special relationship. We formed an emotional connection that was deep and genuine. We shivered together at Franklin Field. We wept together at Connie Mack Stadium. We stood shoulder to shoulder on Broad Street when the Flyers won the Stanley Cup. And, of course, we celebrated the underdog triumph that was Super Bowl 52. You felt it, I felt it, as Philadelphians, we all felt it. And celebrating that day at the Art Museum, wrapped in a warming blanket of joy, is a memory I will carry with me forever. 
One of the hardest parts of retiring is ending my partnership with this guy, my pal, Glenn Mactow. Over 21 years, we developed a rapport that was enjoyable for us and our listeners. We were the two old sports junkies who came in your house every weekend, put our feet up on the furniture, and talked about the DH, the process, and all things Eagles. We were talking to each other, but we were also talking to you. I didn't fully appreciate what that meant until the last two weeks when the cards and letters began pouring in. Many were from people I had never met, total strangers. Yet they said, through my words and my voice, I became a part of their lives in ways I never imagined. Recently, a man stopped me on the street. He said he was born in Nigeria, and he moved to this country three years ago. He was building a new life in Philadelphia, and he wanted to feel like he belonged. A co-worker told him it would be help it would be helpful if he learned American football. The co-worker told him he should listen to this radio show and watch the Eagles post game. The co-worker told him that listening to Ray Didinger was the best way to learn the game. So the gentleman from Nigeria began listening and watching. And after three years, he was talking X's and O's like a third-generation season ticket holder. When I met him, he was wearing an Eagles hoodie. He addressed me as Ray Diddy, and he gave me a big hug. He said, you taught me football, and you helped me become an American. Without even realizing it, I had helped this man find acceptance in his new home. I never imagined I could affect someone's life in such a profound way, but I did. I still get a lump in my throat when I think about that. I'm leaving WIP, but I'm not leaving Philadelphia. This is my home. It will always be my home. So if you see an old guy in a St. James sweatshirt walking a bulldog through Rittenhouse Square, and you feel like talking about Jalen Hurts or Joel Embiid, Don't be shy. Come over and say hello. I'll never tire of the conversation. In fact, I'll welcome it. In so many of your good wishes, you've thanked me for what I've given you. What I'll remember is what you've given me. For 53 years, you helped me live my dream. Your passion as the best sports city in America lifted my words, and gave them resonance. It has been a joy and a privilege. Your expressions of gratitude and support have meant so much, and I thank you with all of my heart. I wish you and your families health, happiness, and more Super Bowl parades. (laughs) And trust me, I will see you there. 2022 has been most memorable at WIP for a variety of reasons. It's been a year of change and a year of celebrations. We'd once again like to thank Ray Didinger for showing all of us what a professional looks and sounds like, and for always being a voice of reason. We owe a debt of gratitude to Al Morgani for convincing Angelo that radio wasn't such a bad way to make a living, and accompanying him along for the ride. Ray Didinger may have been the easiest person to work with at WIP, but Al wasn't that far behind and to Angelo Cataldi for keeping us entertained and informed all these years. As he once said in an Eagles debate around 10 years ago, and it rang so true then, many of us wouldn't have had jobs if it weren't for him. The legendary Sonny Hill always says about the greats of his generation that you don't and can't replace them. 
Ray, Al, and Angelo can't and won't be replaced. But we will have a new morning show once the Eagle season ends. Before we conclude our program, some thank yous are in order. To WIP Market Manager David Yagaroff, WIP Brand Manager Rod Lakin, Programming Assistant Ava Graham, special thanks to our Chief Engineer Dave Scalish, and to our longtime WIP Chief Engineer Ben Hill, who we congratulate on his retirement. Thanks also to engineers Chris Saris and Lane Massey. Thanks to our IT wizard, Andrew Swank, to Joe Wechter, Rhea Hughes, comedian Joe Conklin, JoeConklin.com. JoeConklin.com! Thanks to the omnipresent Cindy Webster, to Bill Zimfer, Glenn Macnow, John Ritchie, Ike Reese, Steve Martirano, Scott McHugh, Merrill Reese, Seth Joyner, Ed Rendell, Big Daddy Graham, number 63, Tom Bigby. Happy birthday there, Tommy. Number 40, Tom Brookshire, Nelson Cohen, Tom Lee, and Andy Bloom, and to Michael Barkan and David Didinger. Finally, WIP would like to wish all of our listeners a most happy and healthy holiday season and New Year. The executive producer of our special tribute to Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Ray Didinger is Mike Angelina. For 94 WIP, I'm Rob Cherry. This has been a presentation of Odyssey.